Welcome back to the podcast and to a new series of episodes that will lead us through the last few hours of Jesus' life as recorded by the Gospel writer John. Over the next several weeks, we'll be diving deep into John chapters 13 through 17, and we look forward to having you join us. If you'd like more information about the Traders Point Church of Christ, please visit our website at traderspointchurch.org, and you can find us on Facebook and YouTube as well. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's conversation. Well, hello once again, and thank you for studying along with us as we continue our study through uh, the Gospel of John, chapters 13 through 17, which really showcases Jesus's kind of last conversation, if you will, with his apostles. It's a unique passage in the way of its length and certainly at one sitting. And so we've been working our way uh, methodically really through it, and we've really now gotten to really the back end, really the end, if you will, of his teaching, the very end of chapter 16. Chapter 17 we'll, we'll begin covering next week as well. That is a prayer that Jesus offers up to God, and we'll get into that. But before we read the very end of chapter 16, we're going to be covering chapter 16, verses 16 through 33. But um, John, why don't you catch us up to where we are, and then we'll get into uh, the reading of our text for today. Yeah, we talked a little bit last week and the week before, and really we've kind of mentioned it on several different occasions, that Jesus will take this opportunity to do some pretty specific teaching about some things, and also do his best to prepare his disciples for what life will be like when he's not there anymore in in, in the physical flesh that he has been leading them in. And he, he talks about the reality that the world is going to hate them, that the hatred and the vitriol that Jesus has and is experiencing will then be directed fully on them once he's gone. And so he's trying to prepare them for that and make sure that they're not caught off guard by the challenges and the difficulties that are going to come. But he balances that with the reality that there is great benefit to them in him leaving. And I'm sure that would be very difficult for them to understand, uh, especially in the moment to think about Jesus being gone and think about the hardships that that will bring upon them and just the, the sadness that they'll feel in losing their friend and their leader that they've been following for these three years. But he does his best at the beginning of chapter 16, and he's done this a couple of different times throughout this dialogue with his disciples to help them understand that when he leaves, he, God is not going to leave them alone and that a helper is going to come, the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is actually going to provide them things that Jesus couldn't. Uh, Christ had a very limited amount of time with his disciples while he was on earth, and he had a lot of responsibilities while he was here, and the Holy Spirit is going to come and in fullness give them everything that Jesus wants and needs them to know about the gospel. And so he tries to make sure that they understand that and see the hope that they can have in the coming of the Holy Spirit and the great benefit that that can bring to them. And so he does a good job of balancing the reality of the challenges that they're going to face with the hope and the joy that should be felt when Jesus leaves and the Holy Spirit comes and God's plan continues to unfold in their lives and in the lives of all of those that they're going to be teaching through the Holy Spirit. And so that was really the focus that Jesus had, especially here towards the end of preparing his disciples and making sure that their eyes are as open as they can be 
uh, to what the future is going to look like without him there. Yeah, well, let's go ahead and get into it. We're going to read uh, John chapter 16, beginning of verse 16, down through verse 33. Um, I will give you kind of a heads up. John chapter 16 and verse 33 is a pretty important vo- verse in the midst of really the entirety of this study. So we'll certainly be looking for that. It, it is really the point. It is a climax statement that Jesus makes, certainly at the end of this chapter, but let's try. I know we've been, you know, we've really done our very best to try to paint the picture that this is one conversation that's happening. So not only is that verse important to the end of chapter 16, it is the important piece to the end of this entire conversation that we started studying weeks and weeks ago in John chapter 13. So we'll certainly talk about that uh, when we get there, but let's go ahead and read it together. We are in John chapter 16, beginning in verse 16, and we'll go down to the end of the end of the chapter. This is Jesus. A little while, and you will see me, and again a little while, and you will see me, because I go to the Father. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, what is this that he says to us, a little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me, and because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, what is this that he says, a little while? We do not know what he is saying. And now Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, and he said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said a little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me? Most assuredly I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice, and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come, but as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever, uh, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full." These things I have spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask me in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father." And his disciples said to him, See, now you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you come forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, before we get, uh, you know, kind of into the specifics of this, the one, uh, for me, the the biggest kind of big picture striking piece, really at what is the end of this conversation, certainly he has his prayer coming in, in chapter 17, 
But we've talked about the, the high emotion of this time he has, and he brings it up again, uh, the the fact that I think they're beginning to understand that he's he's going, yeah. and uh, it's going to be different. He's talked a lot about that. We've talked a, a lot about the emotion at play and, and all of that, the relationship they have with Jesus and how special and how close that it is. But yet it, it seems here in the section what's striking is – the key component is joy, right? I mean, that it really is the thing that kind of rises to the top at, at a time that you wouldn't expect that, right? At a time that, that he's talked about difficulties. We've spent a lot of time talking about that. He brings it up again even here. And there's there's going to be difficulties. There's going to be some physical sorrow that's going to, to take place. But rising above all of that is joy. And he makes mention of it here kind of at the close over and over and over again. I think that's a striking piece, and I think it has a lot to do with what he wants to kind of leave them with, Mm -hmm. is this idea, not that, hey, man, he's going and he's not coming back, but there's reasons to rejoice even in that fact. Yeah, I think you're you're so right. And the the hard thing for the disciples to do, and I think it would have been difficult for us as well, is to think past the next few hours and days and months. And the next few hours are going to be terrible. And the next few weeks aren't going to be a whole lot better. And even the next few months are going to be difficult. And, and history will tell us that most of these men in his presence are going to be killed because of what they're going to teach and the kind of people that they are. Their lives are going to be difficult. And it's it's difficult for them, understandably so, to see past that and to see past the hardship that's going to come because of what they're being asked to do and because of the hatred that they're going to experience. But what Jesus is trying to help them see is that, yes, there will be some temporary sorrow, there will be some temporary hardship, but that sorrow is going to be turned to joy once you see all that God has planned. And not just here on earth, but eternity to come. Because what Jesus is about to do the sacrifice that he's going to make is opening the door for a home in heaven for these men forever in the presence of God. And and Jesus is trying to help them start to think long-term and start to think spiritually, but it's understandably difficult for them to do so. I mean, they're in the midst of it in all of these, in, in this moment, and they're going to experience the persecution and the hardships that, that we read about in the New Testament they're, they're going to experience all of that, and they're probably starting to come to grips with that. But Jesus is wanting them to see the fullness of God's plan, uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of eternal life, everything that awaits them, and, and to let those things overcome the hardships that they're going to experience in this life. That's the hard thing, but that's what Jesus is trying to do. Yeah, I mean, the beginning of this conversation, you know, that uh, that— it kind of begins there in verse 16 when they're talking about, you know, the little while, not a little while, and, and you know, all of that kind of, you know, plays together. It, it's really interesting to, you know, to think about it because in a lot of ways, I think that's still something that they were struggling with there that we continue to struggle with. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's just a part of being man, right? Yeah, because sure. Jesus is talking about kind of eternal concepts, and that isn't a concept that that man really easily grasps hold of. Mm-hmm. Even today, it's very difficult to grab hold of eternity because everything that we know, everything that we have, is beholden to time, right? 
And so for Jesus and for God, not just here, but really throughout the pages of the New Testament, when eternity comes up, God does his best with our very limited minds to help us to, you know, to see some of those things. And so you get phrases like this, short time or little Mm -hmm. time. And we see that just our life here on earth is often described as a very small time, a temporary time. It pales in comparison, certainly, to what eternity will be. And so I think Jesus is here when he he makes the point, listen, I'm not going to be here much longer, but you're going to see me, and you're going to see me, and it's just going to be in a little while. Mm -hmm. And I think we we could be thinking that he's making reference to his resurrection, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if that necessarily fits as well here because he makes mention he's going to his father, and that's where you're going to see me. And so I think he's pointing them, as he does a little bit in chapter 14, to when, when they are in heaven, when they are spending eternity with Christ. And, and for us, our physical minds, you know, 10 years, 15 years, mm-hmm. 20 years, for the apostle John, 60 more years right. from here or more, right? That's easy for us to say, well, that, that's, that's a long time. Yeah. But it isn't, no. not when you're comparing it. And so he's able now to say just a little while it's going to be sorrow, mm-hmm. a little while there's going to be difficulty, but all of that is for the joy that comes. And man, it is a, <laughs> it's a hard, deep concept that he's trying to get them to see here. But again, the overarching thing to this entire chapter is the joy ultimately that's going to come. Yeah, and I think you're 100% right. I, I, I have heard people discuss this passage from the perspective of Christ's resurrection and, and I'm not saying that there is no validity to that. I think there may be certainly some. I mean, well, I he, think they were happy to see they him. They are going to be seeing sure. him again. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think they would be excited about that. But I think the reality is, is that John especially has spent so much. We talked about this last week. He has spent so much of his writing focused on Jesus' attempt to get people to think more spiritually and right. less physically. And in the context of everything that we've been reading here, it just doesn't seem to fit, as you said, for Jesus to point to something very physical. Mm -hmm. His resurrection, they're going to see him again in the flesh for a period of time. He's he's trying to get them to think past the flesh. He he needs them thinking spiritually in this moment. And so I think think in the context of, of everything that John is writing, I think Jesus is trying to point them towards eternity here. Now, that doesn't mean there couldn't be some dual meanings associated with some of these things, but but he he knows that life is going to be really hard for them, but you have something waiting for you. His entire purpose of coming to earth is to give us something worth waiting for. And, and so his death is not going to be in vain. In fact, his death is going to provide the hope that we all have today of living eternally in heaven with him. That's what we're all waiting for. The time on this earth is going to be a roller coaster ride. There's going to be times of joy. There's going to be times of sorrow. There's going to be pain and suffering. There's going to be happiness. It's just going to be all over the place. But there is a time coming that we can all look forward to in a little while, as you pointed out, in a little while, where all of that is gone away and it's only joy. It's only happiness. And, you know, we think about the lives of the apostles who are probably in this room. 
I mean, within 20 years, several of them will have died. Right. And like you said, John, most likely, it appears, lived the longest of the men here. But again, like you said, maybe 60 years from now, that's not a long time. And so it's, it's, it's very reasonable for Jesus to use language like this to speak of an eternity that's awaiting them. Yeah, and in no surprise, Jesus employs the perfect metaphor. I mean, the perfect example, right? I mean, you read something like this and you're like, oh man, that is what a perfect, what a perfect example. And he does that when he uses, you know, the pregnancy of a woman to, you know, to describe Mm -hmm. a a being pregnant and, you know, the physical uh, complications that can come with that and, and physical inconveniences. And then certainly the birthing process and the pain that is involved in that. Mm-hmm. But yet, as soon as that child is born, all of that just absolutely wipes away. Yeah. When when you have a mother who is then, I mean, seconds after yeah. the pain of giving birth and that child is laid on her chest all of that goes away. I, I have seen that with my wife for all three of my children. I'm sure you have yep. seen it yep. as well. And that just absolutely melts away. Sometimes hours and hours of extreme discomfort is just absolutely wiped away now that it is replaced with the indescribable joy of having that child. And and, and so when Jesus employs that metaphor, I mean, it is perfect. It, it yeah. is it is the most perfect a picture because it's letting these men know that there's going to be some pain, mm-hmm. there's going to be some sorrow, even in the next hours yeah. it's going to be that yeah. way, in the next years it's going to be that way, but yet joy that will come after that, undescribable joy that will come after that. And for me, in the physical world, I don't know if there is a better example even mm-hmm. to use than this one that Jesus uses here. And when he gets down to, you know, painting this picture in verse 23, what's really striking to me is when he says that in that day, you'll ask nothing of me. Yep. When you're here with me and with the Father who loves you, you you'll, you'll, you'll be in need of nothing at yep. all. And it is, it's an incredible picture that he's painting for them. Yeah, I, I really keyed in on that verse too, because I, I think not only is it saying you won't need anything from you, you won't have any more questions right. anymore. Right now, these guys have nothing but questions, <laughs> and they're going to continue to have questions. But when, when at the end, when they're in heaven with the Father and with Christ, they're not going to need anything. They're not going to have any questions. None of all of that will be left behind. And I, I can only imagine being in a situation where my mind was just racing and just question upon question upon question about what about this? What about this? What about and Jesus to say, there's coming a time when you won't ask me anything. There won't be anything left to ask. There won't be any need left unmet. You will have no reason to ask me anything. And that, I mean, you know, you mentioned just how important verse 33 is because of the peace that he wants them to attain. I think verse 23 is a really important part of that piece to, to give them that hope that there's coming a time where you will be with me, we'll be together, and we, you won't need anything and you won't have any questions left to ask. What a, what a comforting thought that would be to a group of men filled with questions, filled with concerns, filled with uncertainties to know that Jesus has a plan for a day in which all of that will go away. That's so comforting. 
Yeah, and you, you begin to see, and it's even made mention here towards the end of the chapter, that after this conversation, now listen, again, we, we've continued to hammer on this, and I think it's important to do so. We've studied this now over weeks. I yeah. mean, it's a couple of months even. And they are sitting in Jesus' presence and, and going over this and having this discussion in probably just a couple of hours, right? I mean, all of this is is playing out in, in real time. And what's interesting is when we get down to the end of chapter 16, certainly not all of them, but there are some light bulbs beginning to go off now for mm-hmm. these apostles, certainly in the way that Jesus wants them, right? Yep. They're not going to understand everything. You know, it, it's, it will be years even before they're able to look back and to be able to piece, you know, certainly some of those things together. And we've talked about the role the Holy Spirit is going to play in, in bringing that understanding even more clearly to them, uh, you know, in the coming years for sure. But yet, you know, in this conversation— you start to see them maybe beginning to understand at least what the point of this conversation is. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of pieces to it. There's been a lot of directions that they've gone, but you start to get the feeling that they're understanding this conversation. And that, I think, is what allows Jesus to to close in the way that he does, because they make mention that, you know— I think they're grasping yeah. that he's going to go. I mm-hmm. think they're grasping that it's going to be different. I think they're grasping their relationship with the Father and, and the importance of that. I think they're beginning to get some of those things, and, and that's what then allows Jesus to then close in the in the powerful way that he does. Yeah, I mean, that, I think that's kind of verse 29 you were just referencing they they do kind of make it known, you know, we're sure that you know all things. You have made that very evident to us. Now, now Jesus responds in verse 31, uh, you know, maybe maybe with a little bit of frustration perhaps, you know. He, he certainly wishes that they could have gotten this a little bit quicker. And, and we see that from time to time with between Jesus and his disciples. There are times where they're not grasping something that he thinks they should. Or, or maybe they're not getting it quite as quickly as they should. But, but yet, I think both of them in this situation, th- there is a comfort in drawing this conversation to a close because of the statement that they make there in verse 29 and 30 about their, their confidence in who Jesus is, their belief that he knows all things. And I think in saying that, even an acknowledgement of the plan that he has yep. for them, and that, like you said, that allows Jesus then to feel comfortable with wrapping up this conversation and kind of driving home the main point, as you referenced at the very beginning of this episode, that he does there in verse number 33, because he 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 knows that he is leaving them in as best a place as he can. Now, there's going to be challenges. There, you know, He even makes mention of it, the fact that they're going to scatter here shortly, and they're going to go through some very difficult times personally with their own spiritual relationship with, with God uh, in, the, in the hours to come. But he has told them what he needs to tell them, and they have heard what he has told them. And so he is in a place where he has said what needs to be said. They have responded the way that they need to respond, and so now things are going to begin to unfold as he's been telling them and cautioning them about. Um, and he feels good about that, I think, based on how he closes this section. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think he lets them understand things are going to begin to move very quickly. Yeah. I think he's been telling them this, but I think now 
he he really wants them to understand things are going to now move very very rapidly you know there's a really interesting phrase at the very beginning of verse 32 i don't want to spend a lot of time on it you know with this idea that you know the hour is coming yes and has now come mm-hmm. that's a powerful statement mm-hmm. I, we're going to have time to talk about that next week at the beginning of chapter yep. 17 I think that'll be a better context for for that conversation. But I think the point that he's making is that you know things are going to move very quickly now, and um, and I think you're right. I think he feels good about the conversation that has happened, and so that then allows him that final statement of verse thirty three. I'm going to read it one more time, and then we'll uh, we'll make a couple other comments about it and be done uh, for our episode today. He says at the very end, these things I've spoken to you, and again I want everybody to be thinking not just in the section that we've covered just in this episode, but go all the way back to the very beginning of chapter 13. Go all the way back. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Chapter 15 comes to mind Mm -hmm. with that relationship. In the world you will have tribulation. He's talked a lot about that. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. It is such an incredible statement. I mean, an incredible statement. And it is intended for comfort. Mm-hmm. It is intended for peace. It is intended for joy to let to let them know that it, it, regardless of what the perception is over the next few hours, days, weeks, months, years, mm-hmm. Jesus is the victor. Yep. Regardless of the perception, Jesus is the victor. And, and it's just an incredible close to what has been an incredible conversation. It really is. And I, I so appreciate you you bringing that up because to see him hanging on a cross in a few hours, it would be difficult to look at him and think, of a victor or think of someone overcoming uh, the, the world. But Jesus is making the point to them very clearly that that is what has happened. Do not doubt that based on what's going to happen over the next few hours. He couldn't be more clear about, about that. And so I think that is so important to leave his disciples with. And, and again, words that certainly would ring true in their mind in days and weeks and months to come to realize as they reflect back on everything that had happened, to realize that here in these last moments, Jesus made it clear that he had overcome the world, and then they get to see the fulfillment of all those things in the times to come. Really, really powerful way to end their time together here. Yeah, no doubt. And so we'll uh, we'll put the brakes on here. This will set us up for what will be John chapter seventeen. The teaching per se has been uh, has been concluded. And uh, you know, if you want a picture in your mind after all of this teaching at the end of chapter sixteen, just paint in your you know, paint the picture in your mind that Jesus is about to say, "Let's close with a word of prayer." Right? <laughs> I mean, that is where he's yeah. going to go. Yeah. We're going to spend actually several episodes in John chapter seventeen. I'm looking forward to that study. So we appreciate everyone for studying along with us here the end of John chapter 16. We look forward to continuing our study in John chapter 17.